yeah, I, I really am pleased with, you know, the, the, um, almost an enthusiasm in, in our community for trying to follow the rules and do the right thing. And, and people thinking about uh, their, their neighbors, their friends, uh, their, their loved ones and doing the right thing. I'm not sure we've seen that all over the country. Uh, but here in West Virginia, I think we have. Man, you know, it's one thing to help your neighbor out of the ditch when they slide over in the snow. It's another thing to potentially save their life. From Grafton, West Virginia, this is the Living Unleashed Podcast. Hi, and welcome to Living Unleashed. I'm your host, Alex Runneman. This is a production growing out of my passion for identifying, questioning, and addressing the many challenges I face as an entrepreneur, father, and as a resident of my small Appalachian hometown. From community revitalization to work and business to health and everything in between, join me as we discuss the challenges, but most importantly, search for solutions that may assist you in your quest to unleash yourself and your community. Hello, I'm Alex Renner with Unleashed Tiger. I'm here with Dr. Bender, uh, Taylor County Health Officer. Dr. Bender, thanks again for coming on the program and giving us an update on what's happening with COVID-19 in our community. Sure, Alex. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Hey, I want to start out with, it, it's, it's kind of been a, a challenge for many of us through, through this epidemic, from the beginning of the pandemic, from the beginning and even now, is what, what would you say to those who are saying that the, the cure has been worse than the disease with with things going on with, you know, the economy and jobs lost and those things. And is, is it really, you know, now we see we haven't had that many people infected. Has this all been overblown? What, what do you say to those folks and, and how can we address their concerns in, in, in what we're seeing now? Now, Alex, we're seeing the effects of our mitigation. If we hadn't mitigated this disease and and done the things that we've done as a country and a, and a state, we would be in a lot worse shape. Those models that we look at would be showing us that uh, many, many more people would be suffering and dying, and we would have a surge that those of us in healthcare just could not hold back. Yeah. And, you know, I, I guess I, I empathize with some of that because I, I do, you know, it, 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 unfortunately, when the government takes rights, they tend to not want to give them back. So I get the concern. Uh, you look at the Patriot Act, Patriot Act and those kind of things. So I think as a, as, a, as a public, we should be concerned about those things. And let's watch as we get through this. But, and I do think most people, even those that, that have concerns and disagree, are following the rules. I mean, I've seen our community. It looks like we're doing a heck of a job. Um, and, and I really, I think that's, that's a testament to people wanting to take care of their neighbors, which is what, what we've seen here. Yeah, yeah I, I really am pleased with the you know, the, the um, almost an enthusiasm in, in our community for trying to follow the rules and do the right thing. And, and people thinking about uh, their, their neighbors, their friends, uh, their, their loved ones and doing the right thing. I'm not sure we've seen that all over the country, uh, but here in West Virginia, I think we have. Man, you know, it's one thing to help your neighbor out of the ditch when they slide over in the snow. It's another thing to potentially save their life. And I think that's, we've all been given the chance to save each other's lives. And it's pretty powerful. Um, I, and you see it happen on a daily basis. So when we talked last time, it was still kind of early. I don't even know if we had a West Virginia case yet. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Or, well, certainly not a Taylor County case. I know that for right. sure. Um, now we've got it. We've got a couple. What have we learned since we last spoke? I mean, I know there's, there's mask recommendations now and other things. Can you kind of get us up to speed on the latest and greatest that we need to be thinking about in regards to COVID-19? Yeah, so 
so since we talked last time, we certainly see that folks have to act differently than they were acting before, and they have. Um, wearing, we see masks in public. I remember I went out about two weeks ago with my mask on, and people were looking like, why do you have a mask on? Well, now you go outside, and, and everyone has a mask on. Uh, we, we just know that, that maybe the mask doesn't protect us, but it may protect someone else. If we have a cough or a sneeze, we'll keep our droplet inside our mask. So it's a good thing. Um, I, I think we're seeing that the effects of, of our stand in place here in West Virginia have, have done what they're supposed to do. Uh, we, we haven't had a surge to this point uh, in, in the number of cases. And, and so we may be able to recover a little more quickly because of that. So I, so I think that's what we've seen here. You know, some changes in, in what folks, uh, how they live and, and from a day-to-day -day basis. And, and we now understand, you know, the, the whole stand in place and how that can positively impact us. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I've always appreciated your steady voice in this. It's why we, it's why I asked you to bring me on in the beginning, because there are certainly a lot of people that, you know, fear, 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 and there's still a lot of those people out there, fear, 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 fear. But, but you, you were really pragmatic about there's things we can do, and and even now there's things we can do. And let's talk a little bit about the fear that I think is sometimes out there. That uh, okay, so we're six feet apart. So if somebody coughs, it's airborne, and can we breathe it through the air ducts? And there, I know there's a lot of things we don't know, but primarily. It's, the, it's this, this contact, right? It falls on something. Can you walk us through really how we at least believe that most people are contracting uh, COVID out in, in the public? Sure. I, I mean, so for the most part, we're not living our lives one foot or two foot apart. Even in, in real life, we see that we don't often break that personal space, but yet folks still get, get COVID-19 despite that. So we know that, that it can be passed from droplet or aerosol, you know, right from a cough or a sneeze. But I think we see more commonly that it's being contracted from that cough or sneeze, putting the droplet on a surface that someone comes along and touches an hour or two or three later and then touches their face or their nose or their mouth and boom, um, now they're infected as well. Yeah. So that's, that's why you keep your hands off your face, right? Even wash it, them, wash them, wash them. <laughs> um, so, so let's talk about the cases. So we had a little confusion recently where we had what was reported four cases in Taylor County. And, and then later it was two cases. And I know we can't get into the details. And this is one of those individual rights versus public service. of We can't really get into the details because HIPAA and, and, and individual rights we have for people that have tested. But can we talk a little bit about what happened with the numbers and then what do we know and can publicly share about the cases that are positive that we know in the county? Here in Taylor County, we have two, two ways that we find out about positive cases. One way is our easy way. We've tested them here. We've run the test through the hospital. Our hospital and the health department have, have a very good um, feedback with each other. And so we directly learn our cases that way. The second way we learn our cases, however, is if someone is tested in an, a location that's out of our county. And when someone's tested out of the county, their test is reported first to the, to the doctor who ordered the test, then secondly to the state, and then thirdly 
back to Taylor County. And so when you see those numbers change from one to two to three to five, whatever, they don't necessarily reflect people that are in the county right now um, and being tested. They also reflect people who may be out of the county. Perhaps they're in a hospital. Perhaps they stayed in a, a, a their aunt's house in, in Tyler County for the weekend. You know, something like that. So what happened here was that we got two cases reported to us from out of county, and that was in, in an evening. The next morning, we got a call from the state saying there was perhaps some laboratory error or some laboratory difficulty in, in those two particular tests that were done out of county. And they reran the tests, and those folks, fortunately, did not have COVID-19. And so we were able to change our number from four back to two. Um, subsequently, we've had one more positive case, and we have a total of three now. So our numbers come from in the county and out of the county, and they're reported to us by the state or if we do the testing locally from, from right here in the county. Now, I'll, I'll also answer uh, your, your second question. Um, Tell me again what it was. Just from, from an, as much as you can share individually about the cases, where did they contract okay, yeah. it? You know, in, what from contact tracing, where were they? You know, those kind of things. I think people okay. are really curious about that. Sure. So from, from a HIPAA standpoint, we're not allowed to say who is infected. We're not allowed to say where they live. Um, and we certainly aren't allowed to say what retail establishments they've been in. That would just cause chaos. And, and it's not fair to the individual who is already fighting an illness to, to have to, you know, perhaps answer, answer questions from their, their neighbors and, and other citizens. It's just not fair and, and um, can't happen. So we, we basically just report um, demographic data like age, sex. Um, we have reported whether they we felt that they contracted it in the county or out of the county, probably going forward, that's not going to be important anymore. Um, COVID-19's in every county. It's just a matter of, of you know, if it's detected there or not. Uh, it's difficult to, to know exactly how much information that, that is fair to release. Now, I will say that through our 911 center, um, the 911 center in Harrison County has all of the addresses of patients that have an infection, not necessarily COVID-19, but an infection um, in, their, in their data bank. And so when a 911 call goes out um, and the crew is dispatched, they know that they're going to uh, perhaps a house where there may be an infection of some sort or another. Now, in 2020, that's probably COVID-19. But but at least that allows them to prepare and and we don't divulge any any private information for these folks. Yeah, and this is where it's so different with our community, and I don't, I don't just mean West Virginia or Taylor County, but the United States community of individual rights, privacy, whereas you go, you look overseas somewhere where, you know, it's centralized government and, you know, they'll, they'll tag you and bag you and, you know, it's, it's done. Yeah. Um, but 
I, I, I got to say, you know, one of the things I think we all need to be mindful of, I, I'm trying to, we don't want to stigmatize anybody who, who contracts COVID-19. It's like stigmatizing somebody for catching a cold. Um, it's, it's very difficult uh, for, for lots of folks, certainly in their jobs or whatever else, to be exposed to that. Um, now, if some of these knuckleheads having COVID-19 parties together and that kind of stuff, well, that's just ignorant. But that's not happening around here that I know of. Um, I think people are following it really well, and that's probably a point we should make. The fact that there's three cases in the county means people are pretty well doing their job right now. What we're yeah. Asking about. yeah, they really are. And, and our cases all, all directly relate to the workplace and, and out-of-county workplace uh, for our cases. So I think we've done a pretty good job. I, when I hear the, the first case of somebody contracting it uh, at the Walmart or, or something of that nature, that's when I start to worry. And, and we just don't have that at this point. Thank goodness. Let's, let's hope we don't. Um, Thank you know, as this thing plays out, you know, we're, we're not, we're not over the hysteria, but it's, you had that early phase and everything's you say, and then at the end, it's going to be happy when it's gone and, and, or it's controlled or contained or whatever it is right now, we're kind of in those middle weirdness feelings of, okay, what's next. And so can you give us, and I know I'm asking you to pull out your crystal ball and tell us something that nobody knows uh, and I know you're not an epidemiologist, but you're our guy. And so I would ask you, what, what's next? I mean, I know we've ta- we, we hear theories about maybe we let certain people out there at low risk once it, we're past the peak and there's kind of shooting for herd immunity. But, but how do we get there? What are, what are you seeing or what do you foresee may happen in terms of what our next steps are after this isolation phase and maybe how long it'll go? Yeah. So our state's uh, health officer, Dr. Dr. Slemp, is, is very open with all of the county health officers. Uh, we have a, a conference call um, at least once a week, and at our last conference call, uh, it was discussed quite a bit. Uh, what what are we going to do as as time goes on? It looks like our cases are flattening out, meaning that you know we're getting approximately the same number of cases each day. You know, lately twenty to thirty, um, and we're not seeing a surge in the number of cases. And that surge is such an important word. Because if we don't see a surge in the number of cases, and then, then we can start to relax some of these mitigation strategies. And the, I think the first one that would relax would be the stand-in-place strategy because we've got to get our workers back, to, back in and you know, restore some economic stability. So I foresee that you know, within the next couple weeks that, that there will be some relaxation of the, the stand-in-place order. It's tough for us here in Taylor County because we've got three counties just north of us, Harrison, Marion, and, and Mon, who, who have a lot more cases and, and probably need to have their stand-in-place order last just a little bit longer. But, but I, I think that in the foreseeable future, it, it appears that our cases are flattening off that we're not going to have a surge, so to speak. I don't think our hospital systems are going to be overwhelmed. I think we have enough ventilators in the state for everyone who could possibly need one. And, and I think the time is going to, to show that West Virginia did a darn good job in mitigating COVID-19 and, and in the long run um, helped, helped maintain their economic stability. We, we take care of our own, man. Um, you know, so, so one of the things that I, I read early on, and I'm starting to see some more information now, and I'm not trying to create false hope or anything, but the virus changes. And one of the things that sometimes viruses do is become less lethal. 
And over time, um, I'm, you, it could be an expectation that, that as more people contract this and the virus mutates, that it might end up becoming less lethal. Are, are you hearing anything about that on the state levels or any communication of that possibility? I mean, is that a false hope or is that something we can at least know that, that things, things are going to potentially change as the seasons change or as this, this virus goes on? Viruses mutate. They all do. Sometimes those mutations become less lethal. I, I think that perhaps right now the, the, the current version of the virus that is being transmitted is, is a little bit less lethal than, than you know, some of the earlier mutations of the virus uh, that we had in our country. I, I, I don't want to create a false hope, though, because going forward, there's, there's often a round two, so to speak, and, and that could be down the road. And sometimes in that round two, the virus has mutated to a more lethal form. So we'll just have to, to wait and see. It, uh, this is a great unknown right now. Yeah, and, and to that point, not to throw a curveball at you, but, but so, so that when, when we talk about uh, maybe releasing some of the stand in place, I mean, some of that comes, doesn't that come with the ability to either test for antibodies or have, have more rapid testing? So if we had to immediately go back in, we could do those things. I mean, is that, do we, do we need to see some of that coming in before we're even going to think about a stand in place kind of being released? Or what do, what do you think about that? Yes, I think the, the, availability, the availability of rapid testing allows you to, you know, loosen or tighten regulations a, a lot more easily, and, and you can identify those clusters more quickly and can get those folks isolated and, you know, perhaps have stand-down orders in, as we do here in West Virginia, only in particular counties or, or even cities that, that have a cluster. Yeah, makes sense. So one more again, not to to create false hope, but it, and 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 anybody who who contracts COVID nineteen, obviously they're gonna be talking to their doctor. You, if they're in the county, potentially. Who, so there's gonna be individual prescriptions for what what you need to do. But just so people have an idea, um, it, it, there's a lot of noise out there around this, and I, I almost always pronounce it wrong with this hydroxychloroquine. Um, you know, malaria drug that potentially has some effects. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the treatments that we're seeing that might have some hope? Again, I know there's a lack of science, but I mean, we're new. This is a brand new virus. And so um, just some of that again, I know everybody's individual treatment plan will be their own. But just generally speaking, can you speak to that at all? Yeah. Hydroxychloroquine is a drug that's been around a long time. Um, it's used for malaria, chloroquine. Um, hydroxychloroquine is a, a drug that's used for a, a connective tissue disease called lupus. And so in the medical community, we're, we're very familiar with it. it. It's a fairly safe drug if you're only using it for, you know, a couple days, uh, you know, a short period of time. In the world, particularly in France, they, they began to try hydroxychloroquine um, on patients who were quite ill. And the initial study looked promising, I, I, but it's such a small study. It, uh, I, I believe it was only 24 cases in this study. I mean, that's just too small, but, but that 24 cases spawned, uh, you know, it's more widespread use. Um, and I think President Trump jumped on the bandwagon as, as perhaps a, a non-physician might. Uh, and so, so we're all kind of on the bandwagon here in the United States. I think in the medical community, we see that, that it's not a cure. It may 
help in folks who have a more serious form of, of COVID-19 infection in, in which they develop something called ARDS or adult respiratory distress syndrome. And in those cases, why not? Uh, it, it may help. Even if it doesn't, it won't hurt. Yeah, yeah. Time will, time will tell us, Alex. I mean, you know, we're, we're studying it now. Uh, and down the road here, we'll have a much better idea if this truly was effective or if it was just grabbing at straws. Yeah, I, I tell you, it's one of those things I just, as, as people, again, if, you, if you're listening, watching 24-hour news, I don't care which end of the spectrum you're watching it, it's all about fear. And the reality is, I mean, this is, this is dangerous. Maybe you take it serious, but, but it's, it's not a complete death sentence for everybody. I mean, it, all these comparisons to the Spanish flu, and I get that, but we have come so far. I mean, we identified the, the genome, the, the, whole, the whole thing was sorted out. We knew what it was. We're tracking it. There's drugs already in process. There's vaccines already in testing. I mean, it's unbelievable how quickly the medical and scientific community have reacted to this. And, um, you know, who's, who knows where we're going to be in another three months or, or one month or whatever it is. So um, I just, I like to try to point this out knowing that who knows, some of these things aren't going to, to your point, the data is going to, the data will show out in, in the end. Uh, but in the meantime, there's just a lot of promising things also happening along with, uh, you know, the shelter in place and the actions that people are taking to, to that point. What is it, you know, now at this stage, you know, now we're what three weeks into our stay in place, uh, maybe on the fourth week. I don't, the, the weeks are, yeah, it's also, yeah. it's been a long year this April, you know, or March, it. yeah, that's good. I'm sure. Um, so what are you asking of folks right now? What's, the, what's the ask? What can they do to help themselves, but, but certainly help the community, help, help the healthcare folks that are out there battling this thing? Yeah. My, my message hasn't changed. I want folks to, to continue to socially isolate continue to wash their hands when they go in and out of their house, use that sanitizer when it's available to them. And I, and I want them to, to basically stay home if they don't have to leave home. I think, <clears throat> I think the staying at home is just hard for people. And, and when I say stay home, hey, if you want to go take a ride in your car, if you want to go take a walk in, uh, in the woods or downtown Grafton, do it. Um, it it's, it's a good time to do it. It's nice and warm. It's a, not today maybe, but it's a, a, a uh, real nice springtime right now, um, but don't don't come together in in groups. It's just foolish. Uh, you just don't know who in the group is has COVID nineteen and just doesn't have the symptoms yet, and and that's the problem. A lot of people are very infective one day before they have symptoms, and how do you know? You you just don't. So so we just have to stay apart for a little bit longer. And and we'll all be better off for it. Yeah, I think we said earlier. If you, and if you pass that on, that's not a bell you can unring. It's not something you right. can just take back. So, um, Doctor Bender, I appreciate you being the signal in the noise, uh, the the calm voice in the middle of the storm. And I'm not trying, but but there are so many people that are either fanning the flames or trying to blanket them over. And and you you've been a cool voice in our community. And I really appreciate what you're doing, and obviously all the rest of the team. Um, you know, we'll keep watching this and I appreciate you coming back on and giving us some straight talk about what's happening. And obviously, you know, we'll look to that in the future as, as things goes on. We'll see where this all plays out. But uh, thank you. And if there's anything, you know, you, you need from us in the community, uh, as, as we said earlier, they've really stepped up. I'm, I'm really proud of my community uh, as a state, but certainly our little region here. Um, I'm proud. I'm proud of what we're, what we're doing here. And I, I know we're going to continue to do what you guys are asking us to do. So thank you. Thank you for all you're doing. I appreciate you coming on tonight. All right. Thanks, Alex. Thank you.